Hello, Black Trivers. Gary Lisa Black here in our casa in Spain during lockdown, talking about all things marriage, all, all things relationships. All things relationships, yes. Yes, we're still in lockdown week seven, I think, right? <laughs> we're just never going to leave. We're here. We're going to die in this room. <laughs> the miracle has been is, uh, you know, just the interns' attitudes and the classes and how well they've been going and just the, the beauty of, of being on lockdown and you basically getting healed, but still struggle a little and God's doing all kinds of things. Yeah, it's good. It's been a good season. No, no regrets. Good. So we're on marriage. This is part three of our all things marriage series. And you're leading us so well. So where are we going today? Where are you going to take us? There's so many things we can do. Like there's so many subjects that we can break down and talk about. And so we're trying to we're trying to make it more all things relationships that people can bring into any relationship. So today I want to talk about jealousy, jealousy, which also goes into adultery, which right now a huge thing in our culture is emotional affairs um, because of Facebook and because of Instagram and social media. People are claiming when they get divorced that that is what their divorce was caused over was unfaithfulness via social media. Yeah, you always know. We always know when there's a Facebook page with the husband and wife on the same page that probably something happened there. Something's not fully trusted there. Something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So um, (laughs) I appreciate that about you, that I I trust you with those things. The thing that... We have full disclosure in this relationship. You can pick up my phone, use my computer. We do use each other's phones and computers all the time. Right. We know each other's passwords yeah, and everything. Yeah, there's no secret. And we're not smart enough to where you can hide. Yeah, neither stuff. one of us are very sneaky. So <laughs> if we did do something, we would be found out immediately That's because right. we're not smart enough to and, really cover and, our tracks. And I, I do want to encourage you, especially you, you young marrieds or those that are thinking about marriage. Um, or I guess seasoned married people, um, you don't want secrets. You don't want to hide. Now, let me bear, let me clarify that. You don't want to have, you, you know, passcodes that only you know that your husband or wife don't have access to. You want to live a fully disclosed life in marriage. And we've talked about this before. We You don't have to tell each other everything that you did before your marriage. You just need to be in good uh, accountability, but we'll talk yeah, about if that more. God, if God's forgiven it, then there's no reason to bring it up again. I don't think unless it's a a habitual problem or it's still a problem, but if it's truly a healed issue, then it doesn't need to be drug up. anymore. And I believe we've talked about this, but like a lot of the young guys, I will tell them to tell their wives that they're in accountability with me. We talk about it weekly and that their wives, I will let their wives know if something is a problem or needs to be brought up and is an issue. And that really does solve a lot of the, a lot of the issues that happen. So, but jealousy and yeah. adultery, those are two pretty big words. I babe. know, and we're going to do it all. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, adultery is always a negative word, but the word jealousy actually can be a very negative thing, and it can be a really positive thing. So I just wanted to reference Exodus thirty four fourteen. The Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Mm. And in that context, what that means is he's intolerant of rivalry. Intolerant of rivalry. Yeah, isn't that okay. good? And so in, in a healthy place, jealousy is an intolerance of rivalry, which I do not consider myself a jealous person. I mean, you meet with young women all the time. and In public. In public, alone, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you give them your time and your attention. It doesn't bother me at all. It's part of our job. And I know your heart. But there have been a couple instances like in the past year where there was a woman that we know that's close to our age that is single that was very 
physical kind of with you when we were in a group setting. And I was like, you need to take your hands off my man. (laughs) And I don't think she was aware. I think she's just kind of a flamboyant, loud, you know, aggressive person. But I was like, hey, no one touches his arm or his chest except for me. And I think it was a righteous thing that I felt that way. Like that's, that's, That's my man. That's not your man. And you don't touch him like that. So I think it's a really good thing because it actually can protect the relationship if you're both that way about each other. Okay. So God says his name is jealous and he is a jealous God. And so, and you're saying that's a righteous thing. So how is God righteous and jealous, being jealous about us? He, I mean, he will not tolerate the enemy coming against us. Hmm. I mean, everything that he does from the beginning of the, the Bible till the end of the Bible is him making it really clear that he is, I am, he is the God. He is the one. And he is chasing after us. And so anything that comes up against us, he stands as a, as a shield against. Because he's jealous because for he's us. Because he's jealous for us and he will not tolerate any rivalry against us. Well, and I would say that goes into things that we make idols. Like yes. we said, we're talking about emotional affairs of uh, we make our jobs an idol or we make a person anything. or our parents or our children if we, if we make them an idol or something that's a before God, then that's an emotional or soul tie yep. that we can talk about a little bit. Well, and that's, that's something we'll talk about with intimacy, which is probably um, one or two podcasts from now, is just that a lot of times people use like their children. Like I've known women that will use their children as an excuse not to be intimate with their spouse which obviously there's a, there's a deeper issue there if that's happening, but it makes that man not just resent his wife for the lack of intimacy. It makes him resent his children. Hmm. And I know men that use their careers and their jobs as a excuse not to be intimate with their families. And that just, it doesn't, it doesn't give the women this idea that, Oh, I understand why he's doing it. It just makes them resent their careers. Right. I mean, there was one time with your laptop when we were first married, I was like, I want to throw this thing against the wall. Because I really needed your help and I really needed your attention because we had so many kids and you were always on your laptop. Now you were working, you're providing for our family, but that was, that was almost like a shield between the two of us, that freaking laptop. No and question. I started hating it. Yeah. I mean, it was a, uh, you know, you, you, you say things like I'll never do what my parents did, or I'll never treat my kids like my dad treated me or whatever. And then you end up in some yeah. of those same things. And yeah. I was turning into a workaholic. Yeah. And I was using that as a, a screen between, you know, you and the kids. And you're absolutely right. But and we can a- all sense that, you know, you can always sense when I am not a priority in someone's life. And you and I, you know, now that we've been married a long time and figured out this stuff the hard way, we don't have conversations with each other if we're both working. We make appointments with each other for business meetings because we work together. Right. But we also set aside, even during this quarantine, we set aside an entire day that we're just married and we're just a couple and there's no business talk. There's no, there's no talk about our jobs or even our kids. It's just us reconnecting and being fully alert and, and connected to each other. Well, and we even had a little dance party together the other night where we, we do, slow dance. We do have good dance. Parties. We do have good dance parties. Okay. So dive into this a little bit with us. Like let's, let's talk. So jealousy, God's a jealous God. We put uh, people in front of him and he does not like that. Uh, and so we want that intimate relationship with him first. And then how does that translate into marriage? Well, everything that we crave and everything that we want and everything that we desire. So our sexual desires are a wholly beautiful thing, but it comes from the same place. It comes from a craving of intimacy and a craving of intimacy with God. And so our jealousy comes from 
that place. Mm. Healthy jealousy comes from the place that says, um, there's something that's blocking my relationship with my spouse. There's something that's off here where we're not connecting hundred percent with each other. And that's, that's where a lot of these emotional affairs come in is, is people are going to these other things and not going to their spouse. Okay. So give us an example. What's another thing that I could go to? Instead? I mean, you can go to anything, but I think that that's the conversation that has to be had. And it's, it's sometimes the very difficult conversation because I know in times in our marriage, I've not even, I didn't even know how to bring to you that I hated your laptop. I just knew that I wanted to crack the thing open on the floor. <laughs> so I didn't realize that I was jealous over your work because your work had your affection. It had your attention. It had intimacy. It had everything that I wanted from you at that time, but I didn't have the words to put that in context. I just knew in my spirit, in my gut, that something was off mm. that you didn't, you were not fully attentive when you were in the same room. With that's, me. that's true. So how did we navigate that? How did well, we, we got in a lot of fights <laughs> and I didn't break your laptop because it was expensive, but, and we had a lot of conversations and we finally, you know, it took us years to get through that. We never had anyone guiding us. We never had anyone helping us. We never had anyone we never had podcasts we could listen to. That's the thing is, I don't think anyone should listen to our podcast and say, oh, this is exactly what's happening in our home. I think it's a, it's a, it's a springing off point of let's have a discussion about this. Okay. Have you ever felt this way? And I think that's a great place to start. I would want you to come to me and say, you know, when you're watching that show, you don't care about anything else in the world. And Or watching the Denver Broncos or watching the... Which, you know, I just, I love the Denver Broncos too. So I just joined you in that. And I accepted the fact that, that was something you really valued. And so I didn't fight you in it ever because I was like, this is really important to him. He, this is a part of his life he truly enjoys. But if I ever felt like you were worshiping that and that you were ignoring me or maybe spending, you know, thousands of dollars on, on the Broncos that we didn't have and I was needing a dress or whatever, that would be a, po a point of contention of you love that more than you love me. Yeah, I think that's I that's really true. I mean, we've worked with a lot of couples where, you know, if the man's a hunter or the woman's a hunter right. and they spend tens of thousands of dollars on guns and equipment and blinds and, and going hunting all the time and right. not being with their spouse, it creates tension. Yes. But at the same time, if it is healthy, then you're, you would always encourage me to go do those kind of things. Uh, to get up, to get away and to be a man and to, to fulfill that part of who I was. So how, how do we know when it's healthy or when it's not? Well, I think you can tell by the way that it, it is, it's transferring into your relationship. So I know that you have to work out for your mental health. I know that so much that I would go without a meal or a day worth of meals or whatever to pay for a gym membership or, and when we travel, if we're in a hotel that doesn't have a gym, I'm like, go find one. And you get upset and you're like, it's $15. I'm like, it's $15 <laughs> to keep you mentally stable. Are yeah. you kidding me? Yeah. I know that about you because I've watched you all these years that when you're not. Well, and my body would tell you that. Babe, you're hot. But <laughs> when you're not lifting weights, it, it, it's, it's an outlet that you desperately need in order to be mentally healthy, yes. which is good for our marriage. So if that was something where you were pouring tons of money in and it was a well that you couldn't fill and it was all you ever talked about and all of your time and attention went there, that's when I would know it was unhealthy. And I would feel like he loves that thing more than me. Like if the gym was drowning or I was drowning, he would pick the gym, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. and, but I know you wouldn't pick the gym. You would pick me. You know that now. But yes. I know that you need that. And so there's a difference between understanding what pe what your spouse values and what they need in order to be stable. I always have celebrated your relationships with the men you have in your life now because they're good men 
who want you to stay married to me, who want you to be happily married. But there were friends you have when we first met that I didn't feel like we're going to support our family in any way. Yes. They just wanted you to have a good time with. And I was jealous of that time. I didn't like that time. I couldn't get excited about you going out with those guys. These guys, you can go travel the world with them and leave you behind. It doesn't bother me at all because it's making you a better man. And it's it that ultimately makes our marriage healthier. That's good. Okay. So let's say that there's something that so somebody's listening. Let's say that there's a young wife listening to us right now. And she says, I'm jealous over this area of his life. Uh, so how would, how would you help her process that? Because number one, first of all, is it a God in his life? Right. If that is, then that you're right to be jealous is what you're saying, yeah. correct? If it's not a God, you just don't like it because you don't have an outlet because you're home with the kids all the time. Right. How do you, how do you manage that? How do you? Well, I used to manage it because I didn't know better why I just blasted you the second you walked in the door and telling you what was You would throw me. the baby at I'd me. throw the baby at you and then tell you everything that was wrong in our house. And then you started not coming home. And I thought, <laughs> well, maybe I'm the problem. Um, I really think that, you know, if you are a, a woman of God, that you have a husband that's struggling in an area, the first place to go is prayer. Because I have never wanted to be your Holy Spirit. And I can nag you into doing what I want you to do, but it won't stick and it won't be genuine. And then you'll resent me. Mm. But if I go to a place of prayer and say, God, you, can you open his eyes in this area? Can you show me how to serve in this area? Can you bring this to a place where we can have a conversation about this? Can you use somebody else, you know, to bring this to him? You be his Holy Spirit. And then we have a conversation about it. So I would always pray. And then I ask the Lord, do I bring this to him now? Do I bring this to him now? Do I bring it? And sometimes it'd be years and the Lord's like, nope, not today. Not today, not today. And then sometimes, you know, your buddy would say something to you. Say, dude, you're kind of out of balance with this. Wow. And then you come home and say, you'll never believe what so-and-so said to me. I'm like, I can't believe that. That's amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've been praying on it. No, I've been praying on it for years. 15 years. Yeah, okay. Well, I think that's really important for us to hear because, uh, guys, this covenant thing called marriage, we're in it for the long haul. And as nasty and horrible as it can be sometimes and as we, we have emotional affairs. I mean, I'll, I'll just be a little vulnerable here. In, uh, in my first ministry, I had an emotional affair with my secretary. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't because she was attractive. It wasn't because of anything, but she was feeling needs in my life that my wife refused to fill. And um, things just serving me, making sure that my appointments were taken care of, making sure I was picked up at the airport. I would, you know, I'd come home sometimes and I'd just sit at the airport for hours because my first wife wouldn't come and get me. How that make you feel? Well, it makes you feel really great, right? <laughs> um, but I had a secretary that would be there in a second and right. would serve me in all these things and feed my emotional, you know, what I wasn't getting right. at home. And so there was a, a true emotional tie there that ruined our relationship, ultimately. Yeah, you can't sustain a relationship. No, and, but when I saw it, I, I was able to break it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that I needed to break it. I wasn't aware. And so... That's what I want people to say is, is this isn't like a bad, this isn't a heaven and hell thing. This isn't a thing that's going to destroy your marriage, although it ultimately can. It's that you need to, to search your heart before the father and say, are there emotional ties going on with me to my work, to hunting, to a, to a sports team, to another person? Um, I was counseling somebody uh, the other day and and they literally said, I want to go find somebody that'll fill my emotional needs. Yeah. My husband's not doing that. Yeah. And I said, no, you don't get to do that. You get to, the father gets to do that for you. Yes. And, but what you just said really struck me is that most people aren't going to go intercede for their spouse 
until it's a breakthrough. Most right. people are going to nag them into right. changing. Which doesn't work. And I, I had a situation um, after Michael died that a guy from high school reached out to me on Facebook. And probably anyone that read the message wouldn't have thought anything about it. But I got that feeling like if Gary was sitting right here, he wouldn't like this message. And the guy was just alluding to the fact that, you know, he had a crush on me in high school. And, and you know, I still think of you that way kind of thing. And I was like, I got that, that feeling in my gut. And I was like, you know, I'm going to block this. Because that was just a seed that was planted. And I was in a very vulnerable situation at that time. And even though our marriage was actually pretty good, even after Michael died, I mean, we were definitely dealing with some heavy grief, but I was a mess and I was not happy and I was pretty miserable. And just that little seed of, I see you, I remember how attractive you were, you know, when we were 14 or whatever, made me feel alive for 30 seconds. I think that's where a lot of this stuff starts is we get in this mode of providing and raising children and taking care of each other and working and doing all these things. And we don't feel alive anymore. And so when someone comes along with a little bit of, you know, sugar on their tongue and says the right thing and you're like, this is what I'm missing. And I can see how people go deeper into that. And that's the thing. If you feel it happening yourself, you've got to cut it off immediately. It's not going to bring good fruit into your life. Right. You it's, can't, you can't, you can't even, you can't tolerate it for a minute, not, you, for a just, second. You've got to shut that door right away. Yeah. But it was, I mean, I didn't consider myself a person that would ever have an affair or cause I'm just loyal, but I saw in that moment, Oh, this is how this starts. Mm. This is how it starts. And I wasn't being neglected by you. I wasn't, I was just a miserable person at the time because of circumstances. And I think that's what's happening a lot is that we are not taking care of the people that are right in front of us. And once you get in a marriage where resentment starts to build, which we'll talk about next, is that you have to make a choice. Am I really in this for life? Did I really say I will do this in sickness and health and all these different things? Or the second that my needs aren't being met, am I going to start going somewhere else? Yeah, and that's covenants. That's a good transition. So we're going to get into resentment and adultery here. I just want to take a quick second. You know, um, we've started a marriage Facebook group called All Things Marriage. And you can go there and join. We we have to uh, allow you to come in. And we're going to start doing Facebook Lives as a, as a group. Uh, right now, I think there's about 28 in there. I don't want it huge, but I do want uh, people in there that are really wanting to either know what a, a marriage needs to look like and they're not married yet, or they're in the middle of marriage um, and they just need some help, or they can help us with some. We had um, Emily Davis actually commented on uh, one of the young guys that's married uh, in the group and just helped me kind of counsel a little bit or coach a little bit this young marriage. And so anyway, you can find that on Facebook, uh, our Patreon, we have a $10 level for this class for marriage class. And we're going to be feeding specific things to people that are $10 a month or more on our Patreon site. And so that's patreon.com slash Gary and Lisa black. Okay. So two, also wanted to just add that just because one spouse has some type of affair, doesn't mean that the other spouse caused it. I think that's a lot of like, people say that a lot, like maybe he went and had sex with that woman because his wife wouldn't have sex with him. The truth is you're in this thing, no matter what. Now, obviously if your needs are being met at home, like if you have a healthy relationship, you're probably not going to be drawn in. But most of the time, what we do that destroys our lives is because of our own, of the own holes we have in our soul that we're trying to fill yes. that someone else cannot fill. It's I mean, not that other person's job to It's fill not it. the other person's job to fill it, but it's, it is a good thing to always look at. Like, am I taking better care of my children than I take of my husband? 
do I look as, as my wife is just something I have to tolerate or something I cherish? Like that's. Well, and you did the little things even in that. Like when, when I would come home, you would, you would spruce up. You looked nice when I walked in the door. You weren't. I smell good too. You always smelled good. And you, and we made sure that we every week had a date night where it was just you and I. And I know that's difficult for a lot of young families, but it is a necessity, even if it's just, you know, in the, in the house, but you're, you have a little date night where maybe a husband makes the meal and you just sit and enjoy one another and you're not allowed to talk about anything at work or anything about the kids, which is very hard. Important. So important because you have to go back to that place that we were a couple first and we're going to always go back to that. And I think that's one of the reasons our marriage is thriving now is because we make, we put each other first. Right. And we try to outserve each other. Well, and we got, we, and let's be honest, we had a, a big blowout the other night. We had a big fight over the weekend and it was around, uh, just not, just the fear of the, of the future and what, what's life going to look like. And, and then me not slowing down enough and saying, father, I'm getting anxiousness in my heart. Can you put compassion right now and confidence in my heart so I can speak to my wife from a good place instead of an anxious, fearful place. Right. And, and so that's what I teach a lot in our heart week is, and this is really important as you learn how to shadow box again, which we'll get into later, but um, with one another that you stop and you say, Father, I'm really feeling anger in my heart towards my spouse right now. And I want to take their head off. <laughs> so I need your heart of compassion right now. I need your heart of beauty right now for my spouse. Will you give that to me? And usually, guys, honest to God, instantly he'll do that. Now, if it doesn't come instantly and it's been five minutes and you want to fight, then we know the enemy's involved. Yeah. We know there's some spiritual warfare we need to do. So that's a really good time to stop. And say, let's just pray against anything the enemy is trying to do here in our marriage. So, Father, in Jesus' name, yeah. we just rebuke the devourer of our marriage. Someone is trying to steal, kill, and destroy something from us right now. And we just claim the blood of Jesus and the power of God. Now, Father, would you please give me your heart of compassion yeah. for my spouse? And it'll, God will do it every single time. Well, and I was off um, on that, that fight because I was feeling so insecure about our future. You know, where are we going to live? What are we going to drive? What are we going to, we've had this really sweet life for five years and I could feel the the bubble starting to burst on that. And I just, the fear took over because there's so much, I mean, everyone, people are experiencing that everywhere, but you know, I was just trying to figure out what was life going to look like. And that, you know, number one need for a woman is security. So loss of income, loss of homes, loss of all those things hits a woman really hard because you know, if we wanted to do everything ourselves, we'd be single our whole lives. You know, there's a reason why we picked a man is because they're providers and they take care of that. And so then we ended up having a conversation about, well, here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to do it. It was fine. Right. I just need to know there was a plan. But we had to choose humility. Yeah. We had to forgive. Let's talk really about quick. that now. Yeah. So if you, if there has been a, we had the interns were asking us a couple weeks ago when we were teaching together that what would you do if there was a physical or emotional affair in a relationship? And I said, you'd have to start from ground zero. You would have to rebuild trust, which would take so much time, but it begins with humility. The first thing you have to do is realize that it can be redeemed. The marriage can be redeemed no matter what's happened. Yeah. Okay. If, if there's true repentance. So whoever brought into the marriage, the, the, the tool that kind of blew everything up, is the one that has to have true repentance. Yes. And what does that mean? What does that look like, true repentance? You tell me. Well, I, th- I love it. I think, and I want to encourage you all, um, with kids especially, but in your marriages, read Danny Silk's book called Unpunishable, 
Uh, and then he just brings a whole other perspective of the Old Testament and how we viewed that in that God is not a punishable God. But what we've learned how to do in religion and in the church is to punish people that have committed adultery or had a f- emotional affairs instead of leading them into repentance. And so when we have a contrite heart, a broken heart over what we did, and we're truly repentive and vulnerable about that, not just with our spouse, but with our accountability people, with our covering. That's why it's so important that you're in your right tribe mm. and you have proper covering. Yeah, that helps a lot. It's huge. And and not people who want to control your lives or manipulate your lives, like a, like a lot of us experienced in church, but people that are distributing or getting rid of authority and helping you see authority and see truth and really want to get into the mud and dirt and darkness with you and walk you out of that. And so when you have a truly repentive person, yeah. they're easy to work with. It is really easy to work with. And I think that that's, uh, that's kind of my stop or go in working with people is whenever someone's a victim and everything has happened to them and they have no personal responsibility, I don't know how to help them. You know, and I've been that person. Like I was all, all the victim. I was, you know, everything was everybody else's fault. I never looked in the mirror and my life did not start changing until I looked in the mirror and said, maybe, maybe I'm off here. Maybe mm. I've done something. Maybe some of this fallout has to do with the way that I treat people or talk about people or treat my husband or treat my kids or, and that's a, that's a big moment. Cause you get, you like, either you're going to walk into the ocean and just keep going, or you're going to say, I need, I, I can change this. I yeah. can choose to change this. I'm going to need help. I'm going to need the Lord to come and heal, heal as part of me, but I can change my life and change the way I talk and change. I mean, you are a transformed person. People that knew you 20 years ago and now sit with you now, there's, there's just no way around it. You're a completely transformed person. And it all came from humility. It all came from that place. And so the second thing you have to do, if there's any kind of brokenness in a marriage is to be honest and to choose humility. And I believe humility is a choice. Yeah, I know it's a choice. Absolutely it is. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's really clear in scripture. I mean, we have a choice on everything, anything in our lives. And we have a choice to either go humble or go go to fight. And, yeah. and if you come at me with your gloves up and you're wanting to fight, it's really hard for me to choose humility in that moment. But I'm learning more and more. Because you got to protect yourself. Right. <laughs> I'm learning more and more to say, man, whatever I've done, because I know I've done something off here, please forgive me. And let's start from that space um, or at least try to. And you, you do the same thing. It's, it's, we, that's what I mean by healthy shadow boxing. Yeah. When that little girl on you comes out and wants to yeah. kill me, I've got to be able to stop and say, father, give me your heart for my wife right now. And let me speak to that thing that she's angry about that I need to take responsibility for. Cause if we're honest, anytime anybody now brings anything to me, that's hard and confrontation done right creates intimacy. When somebody speaks the truth and love within to me and I feel anger because they are completely off. I always have to ask the father, what part of this is true? What part of this do I need to actually address yeah. and take care of in my own self? Cause at least 10% of it, maybe 80% of it's real. And I need to know that and be aware of that and do something with that. Yeah. Well, and you're the one that you taught me that, 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 you know, conflict done well creates intimacy. I'd never had heard that before in my life before I met you. And I thought all conflict was bad and I would hide from it, run from it. You do push people out of my life. Like I did not want conflict in my life. And then I married you who's a very <laughs> conflicting <laughs> man. Yes. You like to stir crap up, but that I didn't love our fight. You know, it was a couple hours that, that was hard and tense and sad, but it brought things to the surface that needed to come to the surface. Like we had to have a conversation about 
what do we want for our life and how are we going to move forward? And all I wanted to know as a woman at that time is like, if you and I are in this, we'll be fine. Like if we've got each other's back and we're going to build something together and we're on the same trajectory of where we want to go. I just didn't, I don't want all these other people determining what our future looks like. Sure. But, and I want to caution you in that because I, we've seen a lot of couples yeah. through the years. In fact, most couples will go into their trenches with each other and then they're against everyone else. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. That you and me against the world is not always a good thing. No, It's, it's you and me against the world in a way that, um, I've got your back and you've got my back, but the retreating and, and feeding each other lies. Right. And pointing the finger at everybody everybody else. else. And so you never have to deal with, those are not healthy marriages. No, no. And we did that at at times, seasons in our life, just out of survival. We pointed the fingers at everyone else. And you and I were on the same page in our dysfunction. Yes. And so that you need to really be careful of because that's that's a dangerous place to go to. That's true. Okay. The number three would be, there has to be forgiveness. Okay. So number one is. Number one is that it can be redeemed if there's true repentance. True repentance. Number, Number two, two is there has to be honesty and humility. Honesty and humility. You have to be honest with yourself first, and then you have to be honest in love with your spouse. And there ha- the third one is there has to be forgiveness. And I think the thing is people struggle with forgiveness because you're never going to forget what happened probably. Yeah. I mean, there are there have been couples I've prayed for where I've prayed ame- you know, amnesia over them. Because it, it was just such a horrible, wounding thing that happened to them that I was like, Lord, just take that memory. Now that, that she's forgiven him, can you just take that memory? And I had a woman come to us a couple of years ago and say, do you remember you prayed amnesia over me? And I said, no, I don't remember anything I prayed. And she said, yeah, I don't, I don't even think about it. It's like, it was a different life. Wow. And I feel that way about the place that we've come. It's like the stuff that, that happened there's a lot of amnesia over it. Like that was, we were different people then. Yeah. You don't forget it to be staying in your dysfunction. You actually got scriptural. God forgets our sin. Exactly. He doesn't even remember. We keep reminding him, but he says in Hebrews, he doesn't even remember the sin that we committed. When we confess out of true humility, he forgives us and forgets it. But this we is, don't. This is a tricky one because a lot of people will say, I forgave you, especially when you're talking about affair or whatever. But the second something goes off in the marriage, that's the first thing they have in their back pocket to throw. And right. they use that for 20 years and they know that the person doesn't have an argument that will destroy all intimacy. You yes. will never move past that point of growth. If you are always bringing up the past, I'm pretty sure that's one of the, uh, what is it? The Beatitudes? Beatitudes. Yeah. yeah. Matthew five. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so if, I, if I've, so I'm honest with myself. I'm honest with my, my spouse. I come in humility and true repentance. And, and then I have to forgive myself and I have to forgive my spouse. Right. I mean, there was a time when we, when we, I thought we'd lost everything. We got kicked out of Africa. We had to give up the world race. I, I had an emotional affair with a, a young lady and um, it almost destroyed us. And what I had to do, what it was really good for me in the sense that I was, a, I always thought I was above that. I always thought that I would never cheat on my wife and I haven't except in that moment. Emotionally I did. Mm -hmm. And, and it crossed the line. Well, and there were a lot of factors there. I just had surgery and I was recovering and you were, there was, well, it's all the things we all all deal with. It's all relative. And and I had to get to a place where first of all, I was aware that I'm an ordinary human being with sinful thoughts at times and limitations and be okay with that. Number two, I know that I need good men in my life and women that are going to speak the truth and love to me and cover us, our marriage and us as individuals well. And number three, that if I could destroy so much 
from this one decision. That's the thing. And and the, the ripple effects mm-hmm. of adultery, the ripple effects of cheating on one another, emotionally even, goes to our kids, our kids' kids. It goes it goes into the generations. It goes hundreds of people, especially for you and I right now, it would be thousands of people that would be greatly affected by that. Yeah, and it never just affects the, the married couple. It, it does It never just affects the couple that's in love and, and committed to each other. It goes on and on and on. It's... So adultery, emotional affairs are a big deal. How do we avoid those? Yeah, well, there's, I mean, this is one of the rules that I have for myself is I don't want to say anything that I wouldn't say if you weren't standing right there. Mm. And I don't want to send any text or any message or any email. And sometimes I'll start putting an email together and I'll go back. And as I'm editing it, I take things out. Like, I don't want that even out there in the atmosphere. And so I don't do anything when you're not in the room that I wouldn't do when you were standing right there. And I think that's, that kind of covers everything. You know, no one's going to be looking at porn on their computer if they're thinking of their spouse standing over their shoulder. I mean, it's, it's, you are one flesh and you are bonded together in this. And so are you, I mean, that's kind of a non-negotiable for me. That was one of the reasons I fell in love with you was you were the same person, whether you were with your mom or you were at a business meeting, you know, you talk to people the same on the phone. You weren't a different person in different situations. And that's what I tell young people that are, that are observing someone they're interested in is these are the things to look for. You know, their integrity to me is everything. And if they're not, if they're a different person in different situation, that's a red flag. If they don't have lasting relationships with people, that's a red flag. Yes. If every story they tell starts with them being the victim and they don't have any, you know, substantial people in their life, that's a red flag. Yes. And so that's, it's, it's going to come out in a person. I think there's, I think there's situations where people have a weak moment or like we were both in our situations, very vulnerable, very raw, um, and not feeling protected or, or, or thinking long-term, you just, you're kind of lost in the moment. That those things are always going to happen, but that is the the next part is is identifying the problem. Like, where did this come from? You know, where are you looking for being um, approved of by other people? Where, what are we missing in our relationship that you have to go outside of our marriage in order to have an emotional connection with someone? What's like you do kind of have to look at, at what is going on here, right? Absolutely, yeah. you do. You have to dive into that. Yes. So, do we want to go into that into the next? podcast you want to finish that thought i think we can finish this today i think okay. we could go into some seconds because I, I do want to say something quickly that you know so we're talking about some real humility here some real rawness of our hearts and so for those of you that are listening that have been divorced or have been part of adultery either from you or from your spouse listen we get divorced we understand that there are times and, and the bible is very clear on that i think it's more clear than what you've probably been taught that, um, you know, it's not just a physical affair, it's a emotional abuse. And it's, there's, there's factors in our marriages that we could dive in scripturally where yes, that you have the right to get a divorce mm-hmm. because it has been, the covenant has been violated and broken. Right. And, but, and we do believe that you can come back from those things and yeah. actually have a healthier marriage. And it that's what probably your point will is. Be much stronger on the other side. If you fight through, if there is repentance, if there is humility, you can, you can work through all and of these forgiveness, things and actually, and actually have your second marriage with your same spouse. We were so Ooh, I like that. Your, your second marriage with yeah, your same spouse. You, and we all know people like that, that you, they're like, well, we all admire their marriage. And they're like, well, it wasn't always like this. You right. know, most people, if they're really honest, the best marriages that I've ever seen are the ones that have been pushed to the brink time and time again, 
and have come back and grown closer and more stable and had a bit better foundation because of it. It wasn't the cracks that eventually just took them out because they, they hovered above it and, you know, they were in denial about it. They never talked about it. They never dealt with it. And those marriages eventually will crack wide open. Right. You know, it's, it's or they just stay in silence and not happy. Yeah. For or you can, you can stay married and be miserable. I mean, that's not that great of an accomplishment, right. but, and you're going to probably do just as much damage as you would if you got divorced. If you stay miserable and have this underlying rage and anger all the time, that's going to affect everyone that comes in contact. Well, what we hear most out here from these young people is that their dad was silent and their mom was controlling and manipulative because the dad wouldn't step up and do his role. Right. And they had this crazy idea that married the man is the head of the house, which by the way, you guys, that was a curse (laughs) in Genesis on when, when, when we sinned and ate the apple, one of the curses is that the man would Lord over the wife. Jesus broke that curse Mm -hmm. when he went to the cross. Galatians 3 is very clear about that. So that was a curse that's been broken and we're to work together side by side, not lording over one another, but serving one another. Equal partners. That's good. Okay. So, and then, you know, the last piece of that would just be accountability is I think uh, my first marriage probably would not have gone to the place that it did, which was back to, to John's addiction. If we had felt like we had anyone we could bring into it, Mm. but we were so surrounded with religious people who loved to gossip that we never felt safe. And so his one, his one alcohol slip up that he had um, five years into our marriage, we never talked to anyone about it because we just knew we would be judged. We knew we would be gossiped about. And I think that's a lesson right there. And then he ended up dying a year later, you know, in a bar because of his addiction. So what's the solution? The solution is that, we as older people have got to step up. Mm. We have got to step up and, and share our wisdom and our knowledge in a healthy way with the next generation. These young marriages need people to come around them and serve them and not tell them what to do, tell them what they're doing wrong, or just be there and know that they're, they're safe with us. Know that we're not going to talk to their boss about it or their parents about it or their whoever about it. It's not, it's not an opportunity to put people down. It's an opportunity to, crawl into a little hole with them and hold them and sit with them and be with them. And if we had just had one couple that had done that, I think that our, our story would have ended completely differently than it did. Yeah. Uh, for, for you and John, yeah. I, I agree. I think that, that now I, in my first marriage, it wouldn't have worked just because of the mental instability. Um, Cause I did try to bring people in. Yeah. Now most of them did gossip. I did have one, Awesome, radical elder family. People love couple from New Life. They They were awesome, but the rest of them were gossipy, including our (laughs) counselor, (laughs) Uh, which is the the number one code of counseling. Yes, right. And so we just want to encourage you. Look, we know the the fight is real. We know the battle's real. We know that marriage is harder. You're fighting to become one. We know that finding people you can trust is extremely difficult. Yeah, it is. And you and I still, to this day, in our 50s. We struggle with it still. We struggle with it still. We like, lead a lot of people, but we don't have very many people. We lead, yeah, we're always that. leading and, yeah. and we need, you know, we just need that safe place yeah. of someone we can go to. And and so we can be that for a limited amount of people. We already are for <laughs> a lot, to, way too many, actually, at this point. But if you're older and you've made it and your 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 marriage is in a good space, or and it's not perfect because no marriage is ever going to be perfect, we need you to step into this space with these young couples. We need you um, loving them and giving them perspective, mostly listening, not trying to fix them because that is Holy Spirit's job, 
but listening really well and giving really good perspective. And it probably won't be your own children, your own adult right. children. I, yes. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm very close to my daughter-in-law. I love her very much. And I feel like we have a, a really consistent, good friendship and there's mutual respect there, but she doesn't say anything to be about my son. And I think she just, it's just an awkward place. Like right. it's my son, right. you know? Right. And so there's limits to that. And I think that the, we'll leave with this, but the most interesting thing I heard was a marriage counselor that had been counseling for like 50 years. And he said, you know, when a woman walks into my office and says, I can't trust him, what she's saying is I can't, I can't trust him with women. I, I'm afraid he's going to cheat on me or he does cheat on me or he's in porn or whatever. When a man says, I can't trust her, what he's saying is his heart. Mm. Because she goes to her mother, because she goes to her best friend, because she sits in, I, I share my private, intimate things with her in our bedroom or in our conversations, and she goes and shares them with other people, I cannot trust her. So we have to remember that this is a sacred relationship. And if you're going to have a conversation with somebody about it, they've got to be someone of trust. This is not a thing that you chat with your girlfriends over lunch or make fun of, or this is that, that would absolutely destroy a man. That would destroy me. You know, it would just, it would destroy. And so that's what we have to think about all the time is like, how do we have these conversations? And, you know, to bring a counselor in or something is great because a good counselor will lead you into healing, not just take your money, which we had a lot of people that wanted to take our money and didn't give us any tools at all. Everybody wants some tools to work with. Like do this for the next week, do this for the, you know, try this and have this conversation. But that's really how we healed most of our marriage is by little baby steps of having conversations with each other yeah, and, and being honest with each other and putting it back on ourselves and saying, I know I did this and I'm sorry I did this, but this is something that it's got to change for us to move forward. and really real intimacy. Well, good. Well, we'll continue. What's our, what's our next subject for our, next Friday. I think we'll probably talk a little bit about communication. Okay. We're going to go into communication. So guys, thank you. Hey, any questions, any comments, any thoughts, GaryandLisaBlack.com. You can catch us there on our Facebook, Gary and Lisa Black. You can send us messages there. Um, and we just would love to have interaction and thoughts and feedback and, and, and dive into this with you again. Remember we've got our Facebook group, all things marriage, and I might change it to all things relationships. Uh, because this really is bigger than just marriage. Yeah. It's in all of our relationships, all relationships that we need healthy. And so thanks for joining us, babe. Awesome job. My pleasure. You get an early release on this if you're a Patreon on Wednesday. And if not, listen to it on Friday on our SoundCloud or iTunes uh, or our website. So God bless you. Thank you. Talk to you soon.